Good afternoon. Rich Nass with Open Systems Media, also half of the duo of the Embedded Insiders, um, here with Brandon Lewis, the other half. Hello, Brandon. Hey, how you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, doing good. Um, this isn't as much fun when we're not doing video, but I guess you have to take what you get, right? Yep, I guess. Um, but I'm sure the audience is happier just hearing us than seeing us. <laughs> yeah, last week I looked rough. <laughs> Well, we had a rough week, so you certainly get a pass. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that came out of last week that we haven't talked about is all the wide area networking that's out there. Um, there are many, many different medium, media medium um, that can be used um, to do this connectivity. And I know after a while I started to uh, – shake my head at some of this because it's an alphabet soup of acronyms and it was starting to make no sense after a while. So you cover this much more closely than I do. Can you make some sense out of, out of all these different acronyms that, um, and which ones are, should we care about? Which ones will be here next year or the year after? Sure, yeah. And actually the whole story probably starts um, a year or two ago when AT&T, Verizon, all of the major carriers decided that they were going to shut down their 2G networks. And the reason that's important is that those 2G networks were really uh, the only option for machine-to-machine -machine communications. Um, and nobody's really going to go to 3G because 4G is already out there and pretty widespread. Uh, but right now, putting in a connectivity chip or solution into an industrial uh, system to connect it uh, is, is pretty expensive if you're, do if you're talking about 4G or LTE. And the other part of that is that with the Internet of Things, um, the possibility of just connecting things has you know, obviously exploded, and the value, the value of data out there right now is you know, kind of up in the air. You know, maybe, maybe things that five, ten years ago you would never think about capturing data on uh, may be in play now. But uh, this has led to the all of this has led to the emergence of these LP WAN uh, low power wide area networking standards. Uh, some of them actually are proprietary. Uh, there's Sigfox, there's LoRa, there's Ingenue, and even LTE or 3GPP. I'm sorry, is coming out with uh, narrow band uh, types of standards for uh, communications, and these are designed to be lower cost. Uh, uh, you know, simple. You, you're, they're, they're not something that you would use if you really needed, you know, a deterministic sort of connectivity solution. But they're all out there. They all have uh, somewhat different um, revenue models. You know, there are some that are your traditional data plan, like LoRa. Most of the network service providers out there, one of them, Senate, uh, who are offering LoRa networks, are just doing the, you know, you use this much data this month on this device, and that's how you pay. Um, other ones like Sigfox are out there charging by connection, um, and I assume that LTE is just going to be your, your normal uh, sort of data plan. The problem is, uh, for some of these with the exception of LTE, is that there, aren't, there isn't the infrastructure there yet. Now, those, the non-LTE versions are probably going to be cheaper because they're operating sub-gigahertz. They're really simple. It's kind of like set and forget. These are devices, these are solutions for devices that need to last, you know, 10 years on a battery, and they're just going to be pinging up information like, I'm on, or, you know, something changed. Uh, so that's uh, kind of a really 
whirlwind, high high level view of what's going on in the market and why LP WAN solutions are important. Okay, so is it fair to say that low power is sort of in the in the eye of the beholder? I mean, something that's low power to one guy might not necessarily be low power to somebody else, depending on your application. Uh, what are they? You know, when they talk about low power WAN, what are they using as as the term low power? I think low power is really being used um, on that baseline of being able to exist on a battery, let's say a coin cell, for 10 plus years. So it's not, you know, like you, as you correctly point out, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Uh, it, it, it does vary, and of course, there are so many other elements of a system, the system design that are going to uh, dictate how much power you use. I mean, if you need to be communicating something every 30 seconds, um, and it's uh, you know kilobyte or a couple kilobytes. Uh, maybe something like LoRa or Sigfox isn't for you, or, or Ingenue, which actually operates in 2.4 gigahertz uh, spectrum. At that point, maybe you're looking at like LTE category M. Um, but of course, you know everything changes. Then you're, you're talking about a different system design. So low power is always in the eye of the beholder. Okay, so just to be clear, there I said. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and you said one man's trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> well, you know, some of these, some of these uh, devices, it's actually a really good analogy using trash versus treasure because some of these devices are going to be reporting information that really people would have thought of as junk. Um, a while ago, you know, why would you ever want to know if a segue? That was really good. Yeah. Um, a lot of these devices, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a sensor that's sitting out in the middle of nowhere just communicating that you're on, a while ago, you know, five, ten years ago, like I alluded to before, it, why would anybody even care? You know, people weren't even thinking in that mindset. But with the industrial IoT coming to the fore now, there are so many ways that people can uh, create business models and service uh, services based off of that information. Uh, so now what may have been just junk or trash or not even worth the, um, the investment of putting a connectivity solution on it could be very valuable. Okay, now we've been through a whole discussion about wireless and haven't mentioned the S word yet, which would be security. So um, that is a very intriguing point because some of these uh, some of these implementations, the network topology does include a, a, a gateway. Um, obviously, if you're like an LP WAN solution, is is usually going to be transmitting bits. Um, any sort of security that you would even consider adding is going to just blow. It's, it's going to be exponentially greater than the than the message payload, right? So you'd assume that the security would have to be happening on a gateway in that in that uh, in these scenarios. Okay, so pick a winner for me. Um, so, like I mentioned before, there are a the one setback of the. LP WAN standards or implementations that are not named LTE is that there isn't any infrastructure there. LTE, on the other hand, does have the infrastructure already out there in both the in both the cases of LTE category M1 and LTE category NB1. That's N as in no. Um, they really just kind of require a software update to existing infrastructure, so they can deploy really really quickly. One caveat in this whole discussion, though, is that 
the L, the LTE narrowband uh, standards were kind of late to the game. Laura's been around five-ish years. Sigfox has been around for a while. So because the LTE standards were slow getting started, when the 2G network started being sunsetted, there wasn't really anywhere for you know these M to M sort of applications to turn, so they started going down the Laura and Sigfox route. Um, so they're a little bit behind. I've heard around the block that the NB IoT, that's LTE category um, NB1 standard, uh, was kind of rushed through the standardization process. So you know maybe if that's supposed to be done by the end of this year and ready for prime time, but if it uh, falters at all, you know, maybe there's another year and Laura and Sigfox are able to build out their infrastructure enough and really have a shot at taking over the ecosystem. So you're saying LTE? I mean, that was like a true marketing answer. Pick <laughs> a winner. Uh, it's hard to I, – I hate to say this, but it's hard to to discount – the power of LTE because it's the preferred technology of the carriers. And once the carriers get behind something, you know, they're going to push to protect the investment that they've already made in their infrastructure. I mean, how many billions of dollars have it has been spent by Verizon, AT&T, and on down the list and putting LTE infrastructure not just in the U.S., but, you know, everywhere in the world, really. They're going to protect that investment as much as they can. So um, unless there's some astronomical uh, screw-up with the uh, 3GPP standards that are coming out for LPWAN, um, I think that some of the Loras and Sigfoxes and engineers of the world are kind of going to be pushed into niche corners of the market. Um, they're, they're not... They're not as high bandwidth. Even even the LTE narrowband standards are, are higher bandwidth than the others that I mentioned. So there are still going to be uh, places for them, but it's hard for me to imagine that uh, LTE is not going to rule the world as it has. There you have it. Bet the farm on LTE, as <laughs> Brandon Lewis says. <laughs> Don't quote me on this. <laughs> Too late. Too late. All right. I think that wraps up this week's installment of the Embedded Insiders. That was your Vegas expert, Brandon Lewis, and I am Rich Nass, and we will talk to you next week. Nice job, Brandon. Thanks. Bye.